appreciate you. Yeah. Well, thanks uh, so much for letting me be here today. Um, I, I did, like, it speaks a lot about who a person is when they can take one of their core leaders. Like, when you're starting a, a church, uh, leaders are everything. And, and, you know, I mean, it, and it really doesn't matter what size of church you are. And so to, to tell one of your core leaders to go to another church like that, do you, do you understand how big of a deal that is? Like, so when Mike and I were sitting across from each other, I was like, so, so Tori told you to, to do that? Like, I, I was just like, this guy is an, an anomaly. Um, and so anyways, just thankful for Tori, thankful for your, your church, thankful for your leadership allowing me to be with y'all. So um, let me introduce my family um, and then I'll, uh, I'll, I'll pray and then we'll jump in. Um, uh, been married, uh, I think we got a pick here, They're the live version's right here. Um, um, uh, and, and Reagan is like our adopted brother, um, uh, <laughs> just a friend of the kids. But my wife's 16, great years uh, together. The twins, Josiah and Abigail, are 12. Anna's nine. She was a hippie before we moved to Austin. And, uh, and then Jamin, um, and, and uh, we call him Bubba because he's a tank. And, um, and uh, aren't you, buddy? And, uh, and uh, yeah, he's, he's six years old. So that's the crew. Um, yeah, we moved down here seven years ago. Uh, we uh, have a background in college ministry and did mobilization up in Iowa and then have moved down here to be a part of the stone and do the same thing. So, so what my wife and I do uh, and our family, really it's a family deal, um, is uh, help people learn how to make disciples that make disciples that make disciples so that when they go overseas, they can do that exact same thing. And so we pull people in uh, to our neighborhood, actually. They live in apartments right behind our house, and, and we do life together. And so that means they're in our house four or five times a week, and so that's what we get to do. It's super fun. So um, today, we're going to talk about ambition. So let me pray uh, one more time, and then we'll, um, we'll jump in. God, we do uh, pray that you would give us ears to hear you right now. Um, there are lots of things that are fighting for our attention um, whether it's uh, wh where we're going to eat um, or they're really weighty, significant things like what, what are we going to um, do in life or who are we going to marry or how many kids should we have or should I keep this job or what am I going to do about my, my, my sickness or illness or God, maybe there's some in here today that are really hurting and um, I, I, I do believe, God, that you want to step into those hurts um, and that you want to care for your people. And whether um, the people here listening are yours or not, Lord, I pray that they would know that you love them deeply and that you care for them and that you have a message for them today. And so, God, more than anything else, we pray that, you, that, that we would hear from you. You will speak because we're going to open your word. And so give us ears to hear. We trust you for this and believe you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, today we're going to talk about ambition, God's ambition uh, in particular, and we're going to look at that through the lens of, of Paul uh, in the book of Romans 15. So if you have a Bible, um, uh, you can open your Bible to Romans 15. If you don't have a Bible, some of these guys will just go ahead and raise your hand. They've got Bibles here. The, the, the well loves, the Bible loves. To, and, and actually, I've heard Tori say this, so I know this is okay and the budget's okay with it. Um, now you can keep that Bible if you don't have one. If you're like, man, I, I wish I had a Bible, uh, you can keep that one as a gift from the well to you. I've heard Tori say that in past messages, so I feel like I can say that. So, um, and if not, Tori, I'll cover those, and that's okay. Um, and uh, and um, anyways, you can find your way to Romans 15, but we're going to be talking about God's ambition, and we're going to look at Paul's ambition, and the ambition he had was God's, and then how that is to be our ambition. And there are literally several hundred people praying for you right now that God's ambition would become our ambition. 
And so well, let's, well, that's what we're, we're begging God for this morning. We're going to talk about ambition. And sometimes you're like, so what is ambition? And, and, and we use that word because in Romans 15, 20, we'll read it here in a second. Um, Paul actually uses that word. I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named. And so when you think about ambition, it, it is actually like a striving after or eagerly desiring. It's this thing that consumes your life, right? So it's not like having a hobby or, you know, like a, uh, certain likes, like if you like a certain taco place in Austin, that's, that's cool. Or if you like a certain, you know, color of Skittles, for example, somebody that you know very well actually likes purple Skittles in particular. Um, uh, and um, somebody laughed, thanks. Um, and, uh, and, um, and you should find out who that is. But, but a, uh, an ambition is something that consumes you. So this is a picture of, of our son, Josiah. And um, I'll give you a guess on what he's um, ambitious about. There you go. Oh, there's one more. Next slide. It shows him jumping about four feet of cone. There we go. Um, and, and he is ambitious about skateboarding. He loves skateboarding. Skateboarding consumes his life. And it affects um, what he wears. It affects what kind of socks he has on. I, I don't even know this morning what he has on. But um, it, affects, it affects the shoes that um, we buy him. It affects um, uh, his hair. It affects his hats. It affects the posters in the boys' room. Uh, it affects what our family talks about. Our whole family knows who Nigel Houston is. If you don't know, he's like one of the best skateboarders uh, in the world. And we, 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 we know about this up and coming Japanese guy. We know what street, street League is. We know what 5050s and, and Ollie's are and all these, you know, backside 180s and, and all these things because his ambition affects our lives. And it affects his life the most, right? I mean, it affects his time. So, like, three to five hours a week, he's on his skateboard right? And, and, and it affects his money and our money, right? And the gifts that we give him or what he spends his own money on, right? And it even affects, I mean, like, think about, when you think about ambition, think about things that consume your life. It even affects our front yard, okay? My wife is super gracious, and we have a half pipe, a five and a half foot tall half pipe in our front yard, if you can believe that. We obviously don't have a home association that we're a part of, because um, they would not be pumped. I mean, this thing is, is like as big as the stage, right? 24 feet long, eight feet wide, and five and a half feet tall, right? And so his ambition affects us because we love him. Because we love him. And, and so here's, here's why this matters. Because sometimes when we talk about God's ambition as it relates to the nations in particular, going to the nations, right? We're kind of like, oh, that's cool for you. Kind of like it's cool for my son to skateboard. Like that's cool that he does that. It's cool that, that, that he has that ambition. But that's not for me. And, and, and what I want to offer to us this morning is that if we love God, and I think that most of us do in this room, we really love God, then his ambitions have to be our ambitions if we love him. If we don't want to miss out on a huge part of who he is, then what he's passionate about has to be what we're passionate about. Otherwise, we'll miss out on our relationship. Just like my wife and I, if we didn't enter into his ambition of skateboarding, what would that communicate? It would communicate less of a relationship, right? It would hurt the relationship. But because we're willing to put a half pipe in the front yard, what does that communicate? Maybe that we're crazy, but really that we're crazy about him, right? We love him. And his ambitions are going to become our ambitions because of our love for him. And so as we talk about God's ambition, namely to be worshipped by all the peoples of the world, whether you ever leave Austin or not is really a secondary issue. 
Is that, is that, are, we, are we on the same page? You guys tracking with me? And that his ambition has to be our ambition because we love him, because it consumes who he is. And you don't have to believe me because you believe this. I think we're going to get there together. So let's read Romans 15. Romans 15. We'll start in verse 18. We'll start in verse 18 and go to 23. 24 would be better. Uh, for, for Verse 18 of Romans 15. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to the Gentiles uh, to, to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed. Verse 19. By the, sign, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem all the way around to Elycrium, or the, and I'll show you where that is on a map here in a little bit, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition um, to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. Let me read 20 and 21 one more time because that's really the, 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 the key of what we're talking about. Paul says again, And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. So Paul has this ambition, and this ambition has three parts. It has a specific message, it has a specific means, and it has, a, and it has specific men in mind that the message is supposed to go through through those means. Okay, so a, a, a message, a means, and men. Okay, so the specific message, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this one because it, it's the gospel. Look at verse 20 again. It says, thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel. The gospel is the message that Paul made his life about. And, and, and you guys here, I know you, you hear the gospel every week, and, and, this, and so we're not going to camp on this one. Romans talks about the gospel in so many beautiful ways, and how nothing can separate us from the love of God, how it's a free gift, how our sin separates us from God, how death came through Adam and life through Jesus. And there's so many ways to unpack the gospel. But here's the thing I'd say for a Texas crew that kind of grew up in church world, because I know that there's some of you that have just been coming here for a while. You coming to church, you getting baptized, you owning a Bible does not save you. Amen? It's only the grace of God through Jesus, through his death and resurrection, that you are saved. And so if you're somehow, in, in, in even the least way, thinking that your good deeds will get you a relationship with God or increase his love with you, it's not true. His love for you is unchanging. That's what's so scandalous about the gospel. Amen? That on my best days as a dad and husband, and on my worst days as a dad and husband, God's love for me is unchanging. I don't deserve that. Ask my kids, right? Or my wife. I don't deserve that, and yet that's what God's love is for me. And it is for you as well. This good news, the gospel, is the, the message that Paul made his life about, and that God wants us 
to, to make our lives about. And I, and I think that most of you in here love the gospel. I think you love the gospel because you love God. And so we love all the parts of the gospel that saved us and made us his and, and adopted us in, and made us his own. Um, and we should. But here's where I think many of us get tripped up. It's on the second two. It's on the means and the men. And here's what I mean by that. The specific means is preaching. Again, look back at what the, the text says in verse 20. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel. The means for God's word going forward is to preach to preach the gospel, this message. Now, oftentimes, though, we, we, um, we think something else about preaching, and I'll get into that in just a second. But when you actually look at that word in the Greek, it simply means to announce good news. And so some of our friends, for example, had twins two weeks ago, and two, two twin boys on top of two kids, so they got four under four, pray for them. Um, and it's going a little wild right now for them. And, um, and, but, but our family, we were announcing that good Good news to people. But so often what we think of is we think of this kind of thing, or what Tori does every week with you all, right? Uh, uh, somebody that, has, uh, that is preaching to you publicly. But it really, in, in, in the Greek right there, when Paul says, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, since, simply means to announce good news. Like announce something good happened to you. So that's the means. And then the men are those who have never heard. Look at verse 21. Who does Paul want to preach the gospel to? Not to those who have already heard. Look what he says in verse 20. Not where Christ has already been named, but who? Who in verse 21? Those who have never been told of him. Those who have never heard. Paul has a specific group of people. We'll dive into that a little bit more here in a second. Who he wants to preach the gospel to. And I think the reason that most of us don't step into these two parts of Paul's ambition, which is God's ambition, is because we believe a lie. We believe a lie, and it goes something like this. And actually, what's crazy about our lie is some of it's based on the Bible. So that's good and bad. You're like, what? Yeah, I know. Um, and, and so here's how the lie goes. Because I don't have a certain gifting, I'm not good in front of people. I'm, I'm more of an introvert. I don't like to make new relationships. I, you know what? I haven't had theological training. Therefore, for all these reasons, I don't need to preach the gospel. And we feel like we kind of have an out. Or take the, the going to the nation side, whether short term or long, we do the same thing. Because, because I haven't had a 40-foot Jesus come to me in the middle of the night and say, go ye to India, right? Right? The go ye verses. And, and, and we're just like, God, I'm, I'm willing, I'm waiting, just come to me in the night and tell me where you want me to go. And, 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 and the reason that we believe this lie, friends, is because that's what happened to Paul, right? I mean, those things literally happened to Paul. In Acts chapter 9, if you'll remember, what happened to Paul? He's on his way to Damascus to take down believers, and, and Jesus breaks into his life, knocks him on his butt, right, and blinds him, and then saves him and commissions him all at the same time. His saving and his commissioning were one. They were inseparable. But see, what we so often do is we treat them as separate things, that we can be saved and not commissioned. It's just not true. My other proof text for that is Matthew 4, 19, when Jesus calls the disciples. He says, come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. The, con the conversion and the commissioning were one, and it's no different than Paul. And so the, the lie that we believe that we need this 40-foot Jesus to come to our bed in the middle of the night and speak to us directly, and and and. and and 
uh, the, the lie that we need a gifting in order to preach the gospel is based on Paul's story. But here's the sweet news. Okay, you guys ready? So here's where it's all going to, you're like, okay, that's kind of not so fun that we believe that, right? So here's where it's going to turn for the better, okay? Is, in, in, is that Paul is going to validate his ambition, now, if I'm Paul, validate to prove, or this is why I have this ambition of the gospel and preaching and those who have never heard. Paul, why do you have this? Prove it to us. What, I would bring up Acts chapter 9 if I'm Paul, right? I'm like, Jesus spoke to me, and he told me exactly who to go to. I'm like, pretty good validation. That's what, but that's not what he says. Look at verse 21. Here's where it's all going to change. How does verse 21 start? But as it is written... But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. Why is that good news for us? Because where, 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 where is he talking about, but as it is written? Now, you see in your Bible, you've got a little letter A or some kind of little denotation by that. And then I don't know how you, much you know about the Bible, but if you follow that, you can find that little A down at the bottom of your Bible, right? And you'll see it says Isaiah 52, verse 15. So what's Paul doing? He's quoting the Bible. Paul is validating his call to go to those who have never heard to preach the gospel with the Bible. Do you know why that's good news for us? It's because he's, he wanted to do that so that we would know that we don't need the vision or the gifting, a special calling in order to go to the nations. He wanted to show us that the word of God is enough, amen? Is that making sense to everybody? Okay, thanks. I just needed to hear that you're tracking with me. And, and, and it's not just this one chunk. If you flip your page over, or maybe it's on the same page for you, earlier in, Acts 15, or in Romans 15, it just that same chapter earlier, he quotes four different times. He quotes the Old Testament. You'll see it's all indented in your Bible, right? And so that first chunk is from 2 Samuel 22. And he's talking about the Gentiles singing to God's name. In Deuteronomy 32, it's again talking about the Gentiles. When it talks about the Gentiles, it's talking about all the nations. You can see it in this one in Psalm 119. So he says... Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. He's quoting Psalm 117, which he knew, verse 1. Praise the Lord, all nations. See how nations and Gentiles is flipped? It's the same thing. When, 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 when he's quoting the Gentiles in here, he's talking about all the nations, or extol him, all the peoples. Notice the S. It's intentional that there's an S, and we'll talk about why in a second. All the peoples. And so Paul's passion was his passion because it was God's passion. He didn't make it up. He didn't just have a special calling. He just knew his Bible, right? Is that, are we tracking? You're like, dude, we got it. You've said it like four times different ways. I just want to make sure that you realize that this is enough calling for you. Amen? It's such good news, friends. So we don't have to sit and ask for this dream or vision or a certain kind of gifting. So, um, and, and here's the sweet thing, guys, is that because we realize that we are called into this ambition, we can have it now. We don't have to wait. 
We don't have to wait for a dream or try to conjure up a gifting that we really don't have. I think about, um, we, we, we run these um, nine-month groups once a year. We start every September, end in May, and we're training people who possibly are going to go to the nations to live long-term, two years or more, among those who have never heard. And we're just doing life with them. We're, we're, we're reading our Bibles together, meeting with Jesus together. We're, we're sharing with the lost regularly at least once a, a week, and we're praying together three to five times a week. Uh, together. So the end of Acts 2, we're living in that. And I remember this couple, Adam and Laura, a few years ago, and it was in May, it was one of our last meetings, we're just debriefing um, how the year had gone. And Adam's like your quintessential Austinite, okay? Like he's got the look. I, I don't have that. I, I, I don't even try. But I mean, he's that guy, right? Played college football, top sales guy. Um, and, and there's nothing special about being that or not being that. But, but, but Adam is just like crying when it comes to his turn and can't get his words out and, and, and then finally spits out. We're like, Adam, what's, what's going on? He's like, I wish I would have been living like this all along. And as we unpack with Adam what he means, when he says all along, what he means is all of his Christian life. Because he looks back on all the years that he didn't have God's ambition, and he had just lived in it for nine months, and he was wishing that he had lived all that time. But, but, but I don't think God wants us to feel guilty, amen? I think he wants us to forget what's behind and strain for, towards what's ahead. That's what Paul said. And so if you're like, man, I, I haven't lived like that. Here's the good news, friends. God's inviting you today to step into it. You can live like that, just like Adam and Laura are. And, and the goal is not just for you to go, amen? Adam and Laura, guess where they live? Austin. They were in our group and they didn't go and they're not failures because of it. Okay, are we really clear here that the end goal, that, that the varsity Christians aren't the ones that go overseas and the rest of us JVers live here in Austin eating really good food? That's not how God sees it. But what he does want very clearly for all of us is that this ambition of, of seeing him enjoyed by all the peoples of the earth would affect and change our lives. Not, not, not just in a little trickle kind of hobby way, but it would consume our lives like skateboarding consumes Josiah. So let's look at real quick the specific men, and then we'll dive into a little bit more of God's ambition, okay? Because this was a part. There was a certain group of people that Paul wanted to preach the gospel to and a certain group of people that Paul did not want to preach the gospel to any longer. No, really, that's what it says. Look, in verse 19, it says about halfway through, it says, so that from Jerusalem all the way around to Elycrium, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. What does that mean? That every person in this, this is a map with not, it's not like, you know, sorry for choosing the color. I should have just done an outline so you could see that this represents Israel, Lebanon, Syria, Turkey, right? This is where Paul did his missionary journeys. The book of Romans is written during Paul's third missionary journey. And so he's planted churches all throughout here. And that's why he says, he says, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And then, and then look what he says in verse 20. I want to go preach the gospel where, Paul? Not where Christ has already been named, which is right here among 20 million people, lest I build on somebody else's foundation. I want to go to those who have never heard of him. And then look what he says in verse 23. 
Since now, it's so crazy to hear him talk like this. Since now, I no longer have any room for work in these regions. Why would Paul say that? Were all 20 million people saved? No. Did all 20 million people hear the gospel? No. But here's what was, was, was happening, is that he laid a foundation. Look what it says at the end of verse 20. Lest I build on somebody else's foundation. Paul, through the churches that he had planted, had laid a foundation. He had planted churches so that people would have access to the gospel. Access is the key that Paul is talking about. And he wanted to move beyond to Spain where people didn't have the gospel where they had no access to the gospel. There weren't believers there. And so that's where he wanted to go. And so he had a specific group of people that he wanted to preach the gospel to and a specific group that he didn't. So why would he do that? Why would he have that? Why would that be a part of his passion? And it's a part of his passion because it's a part of God's passion. And so we're just gonna do this quick uh, overview from Genesis to Revelation for the next two hours Okay, sorry about lunch. And, um, and uh, we really could go for the next two hours. Um, and, and look at all the verses that show God's heart for all the peoples of the earth. Because I, I, I think you know this, but not all the peoples, plural, and we'll unpack what that means in a second, are worshiping Jesus today. And Paul said, because God has this ambition, that's a problem if you love God. And so we're going to briefly look at, we're just going to do 10 of them real fast, okay? Of, of from Genesis to Revelation, God's heart, God's ambition for all the peoples of the world. And the reason this is important is because a lot of us think, yeah, there's nations verses in the Bible, right? There's the Great Commission. We're going to look at that one. There's John 3.16, right? We all know that one. For God so loved the world. And now I've got Romans 15. So yeah, there's a lot of verses in the Bible that talk about the nations, Actually, there's over a thousand verses in the Bible that talk about the nations. And we want you to see that this is God's ambition from the beginning to the end. So it starts in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, to Adam and Eve. It's, he says to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. God wanted to fill the earth full of worshipers. He wanted Adam and Eve to bring his dominion, his reign and rule over all the earth. And so you guys know how the story goes. The world goes to pot. God floods the world, except for Noah and his families, right? Um, and they get off the boat. You know what God says to them in Genesis 9? The exact same thing. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth with worshipers. And so the world starts to choose its own way again. And God says, you know what I'm going to do? I could have reached the world anyway, but I'm going to choose for myself a people. And it's going to start with th this really likely couple named Abram and Sarah. Because they have a huge tribe, they have lots of kids and lots of influence. No. If you know your Bible at all, Genesis chapter 12, and this is really the first time we see the Great Commission, you know that Abram and Sarah were the most unlikely candidates to be on America's Got Talent, Right? Like, these guys should not have been chosen. They, 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 they should have even made the qualifier thing, right? Zero kids, super old, and, and this is what God says to them. Abram, I want you to go from your country, your kindred, and your father's household, everything that's familiar to you, to a land I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. Now, if we just stop there, we'd be like, that's what I'm talking about, Right? We get our, our special highlighter, and we highlight that, baby, and we get our favorite coffee mug, you know, in the background and Instagram that, baby. Like, this is what God spoke to me today. I will bless you and make your name great. Yeah. You know, maybe a picture of us in the background going, you know, or like ready to receive. And we love that. And we should. 
right? Church, it's not wrong to be blessed, amen? It's not wrong to be blessed. But there is a definite purpose in the blessing. And it's, it's made known right here. See this big fat so that? Why have we been blessed? So that you would be a blessing to who? To all the families of the earth. All the families of the earth shall be blessed through you. The reason that the gospel has come to you is so the gospel can go through you. That's, that's, that's why. It's great to enjoy the gospel. We should. But you're missing out on a part of the joy God wants you to have if the gospel's not going through you. Let's keep going. So, so um, I... Um, and, and friends, it's in Moses, Jonah, David, Solomon. It's in all these stories that we don't have time to mention. But there's a global component. God is revealing his ambition through all these stories. Look at what Psalm 96 says. Um, uh, it says, go, uh, uh, it says, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Think about the fact that God is writing this, wanting glory for himself. Sing to me all the earth. Sing to me, bless my name, tell of my salvation. Do you see that singing, telling, and declaring have something to do with the means that we were talking about earlier? Amen? There's, there's an announcement of the good news. Declare my glory among the nations, not just to your neighbors, not just to Austin, but to the nations. His marvelous works among all the, there it is again, peoples with an S on the end. Not just the world in general, but a very specific group, these groups of peoples, okay? Keep it going. How about in the, the major and minor prophets? Well, Habakkuk uh, 2.14 tells us to, um, that my glory will cover the earth. The, I'm sorry, for the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. I memorized it in NIV and this is different. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. See, the glory, and somebody mentioned it, the glory of the Lord is everywhere on the earth, Amen. We don't bring Jesus in a backpack whether we go to Brazil or Afghanistan or Saudi Arabia or right in the middle of ISIS and Pakistan. We don't bring Jesus there. He's there already, amen? But their eyes are blinded to it. They don't have a knowledge of the glory that's right in front of them. And so when we go, we help people see the glory that's in front of them. What about when we come to the New Testament with Jesus? Does anything change? No, it doesn't. Look at Jesus' birth announcement, right? What did the angel say to the shepherds? Fear not, for behold, I bring you great, uh, good news of great joy that will be for America. No, it actually doesn't say that. It says, for all the people. What about when Jesus starts his ministry, right? Comes down to get baptized. John the Baptist says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the, the world. And, and, and again and again, we see throughout Jesus' life, you think about when he interacts with the Samaritans, right? The woman at the well. She wasn't Jewish. He's not a tribal God. He came for the world. And after the town comes to know Jesus, at least many in the town come to know Jesus, in verse 42, the people see it. That Jesus didn't just come for the Jews, he came for the world. And they say, they got and understood in two days what the disciples didn't get in three years. And they say, we... Now know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Jesus called himself the light of the world. What about the Great Commission? Right, we'll go on to the one with the, with the maps here. The Great Commission, the verse we all know so well. It, it, it gives more light to not God's just his message, but his men that he wants to focus on. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Notice it doesn't say make converts, 
right? Or bring to church program, but make disciples who will make disciples who. And he's talking about new disciples. And so it's great if you're in a mentoring relationship with a younger or older believer. That's a good thing to have. That's not what Jesus was talking about in the Great Commission. Think about it. If he just paired all the disciples up and told them to meet in, you know, um, summer moon in Jerusalem, then, then, then what would have happened in one generation? Dead. The movement would have died. No, when Jesus told the disciples to go and make disciples, he meant see people that are outside the kingdom and help them come into the kingdom. Amen? And so, well, who did he want us to do that with? All the nations. Now, when we read the word nations, we usually think of political countries like Nigeria, right? But, but the, the, the problem is that's not how God sees Nigeria. That Greek word for nations is the word ethne. It's where we get our word ethnic from or, or ethnic linguistic people groups, right? These groups of people that can communicate with each other without barriers of language, culture, or geography. It's an us, right? And, 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 and so God sees the world in different ethnes, in different people groups. And so instead of seeing Nigeria like this as one political country, he sees it like this. All these, I don't know if you can tell the, the difference between the green dots and the red dots, but all those dots represent groups of people that have a, think of it more like a tribe, right? And they're separated by language, culture, or geography. And in order for the gospel to go from a green dot to a red dot, somebody has to cross a culture and go and, and take the gospel there. Take the good news. Help them see the glory of God that's around them. And there are over 500 people groups, 500 ethnes that make up Nigeria. And God says, I want all, Jesus tells us, I want disciples in all of those ethnes, in all of those people groups. And there are 91 people groups in Nigeria. You can go to this great website called joshuaproject.net. Joshuaproject.net. You can, you can go there and you can find out which people groups Believe and love the gospel, and which ones don't? It's amazing. You can carry the list around in your pocket. And so why that matters is because Jesus wants all of the people groups to love and know him. Look at what he does in, in, in Acts 1.8. You look at how does the Holy Spirit play into this. Well, one of the reasons that you have the Holy Spirit is so that you could live out God's ambition. What does it say? The, and the reason, oh, I won't go into that. Um, but, the, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes uh, upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit lives in you so you could live out God's ambition. That's a part of his role. And so that's, 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 that's what you need to access when somebody says, hey, do you want to go talk to people about Jesus? And you're like, and you're right at that moment, right? And I know that tension. But the Holy Spirit, God has put power in you so that you could say, yeah. And they're like, what? what's wrong with your face, dude? And, and it's like, uh, this is just new for me. It's, it's not super comfortable. And can I just say, well, we'll get there at the end. Um, sorry, jump ahead. Um, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit, God lives in you so that he, he can go through you. And then let's see how this all plays out. Let's skip to Revelation 5, 9. This is what happens in the end. What God sets out to do, what God's ambition is in the beginning, plays out in Revelation. It comes true. It happens in Revelation 5, 9. It says, and they, that's us, the church, sang a new song, singing to Jesus. 
Worthy are you, Jesus, to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood, Jesus, you ransomed people for, from who? Who did Jesus die for? From every tribe and language and people and nation. Jesus, you died for every single one, not just for the West, not just for America, not just for the Jews, for all of them, for all of them. This is God's men and women. That's who Jesus died for. His ambition needs to be our ambition, and it's clear because it's right here. It's right here. So how are we doing? Real quick, we're gonna, we're just, we'll take a quick look at how we're doing in the world, because if this is God's heart, his ambition, we should ask the question, well, where are we at in this, in this ambition? And then we'll, we'll look at three ways that you can jump in, and then we'll, we'll be done, okay? Here's, here's how you can divide the world, basically into thirds. There's 7.3 billion, with a B, people in the world today. You divide it into three different worlds, Christian world, access world, and unreached world. The Christian world uh, is like Texas, Okay, so everybody that calls themselves a Christian, are they truly following Jesus? No. If you didn't know that, I'm, I'm sorry to break it to you right now, but there's a lot of people that you work with, that you live by, that because they have one of these in their house, because they show up to some kind of church uh, uh, worship service on a Sunday, they think they're a believer, but they're not. They just live in a culture that is Christian. Uganda would be no different. Brazil, in fact, there's 50 million evangelicals in Brazil, right? doesn't mean we shouldn't send people there. It doesn't mean there aren't great needs there, but that's the Christian part of the world. And then there's the A part of the world, the access part of the world. And these folks, um, although they know they have access, um, have decided not to follow Jesus. So they are decidedly not Christian because of their own choice. I mean, they, they have good churches. They could go and hear the gospel. Caleb is in their area, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? And, um, and, and they have Bibles in their language, and they have decided not to follow Jesus. So another third, a little over, of the world lives like that. And then there is this, the, the, the unreached part of the world. 29 percent of the world is unreached. And these are the folks that Paul was talking about who have never heard. There aren't Bibles in their culture. They don't know a believer. And so if they wanted to hear the gospel, they couldn't from somebody else's mouth. They're unreached with the gospel. And so how about resources? I mean, I, I mean well, if, if you're thinking like, okay, so we just heard God's ambition, and this is the current reality. So most of our resources are going here, right? No, it's not. If you, if you take the, the um, $42 billion, which sounds like a lot, but it's less than a fraction of a percent uh, of the money that's given to missions, the $42 billion that's given to missions every year, 99% of it stays right here. 1% goes to those who have never heard. And when you look at the 400,000 missionaries, I really don't like that word because it carries lots of stereotypes and it separates anyways, but 400,000 missionaries that are in the world, 97% of them live right here and only 3% go here. So it, you can see, friends, why this is messed up, amen? It's messed up, but here's the good news. God's inviting us to change this. And what, what has been doesn't have to be what's the future, especially for your church. Did you hear your pastor say earlier, our church wants to send 100 people to the nations. 
I'm not bringing this to your church. It was born with your church, amen? From the very beginning, a part of the DNA of the well, the well's ambition has been God's ambition. And if you're here today, the, the invitation is really clear. Come and be a part of this ambition. So here's three ways that you can be a part, okay? The first one is pray. Please don't underestimate this. Your greatest contribution to affecting the unreached world to those that have never heard could be that you start praying and you start gathering your community group or your roommates or your family and you begin to pray. And you start groups of people praying into the unreached world. What did Jesus say in in Luke 10, 2 and Matthew 9? You know what the real problem is, he said? Because the harvest is plentiful, Jesus said. The labors are few. What should we do, therefore? Pray. And not just pray, but pray earnestly, like beg him. God, it's not right that you're not known in northern Nigeria. It is wrong. And so we're praying, God, that you would raise up labors from southern um, Nigeria, from South Africa, from the west, that you would flood north Nigeria with people who love the gospel and want to share it with Muslims who may or may not want to hear what they have to say. We need armies of people to pray those things. That's what Jesus said the key is. And so the first one is pray. The second one is, oops, we'll go to those. There you go. Preach the gospel. This is making God's ambition our ambition. Preach the gospel. And here's what I was going to say earlier. If you're like, man, I've, Andy, I, I hate to say this, but I've been around the church world for quite a while, and that, that's my story. I grew up in this stuff. But honestly, like if, if I'm honest, I'm really scared. Maybe I don't even know how to share the gospel. Would you please come to the leaders of this church, come to your community group, or maybe you're a community group leader, and you're like, man, I I know I should know how to do this stuff. I kind of dance around it. I play the part on Sunday mornings. We do these Bible studies, but I really don't know what it looks like to share the gospel with somebody and then lead them to faith and then teach them to do the same thing. Could we just be honest and stop playing? Amen? Could you just come to your, if if this brother's my leader, what's up, man? Sorry, you sat in the front. Um, (laughs) And, and what's your name? Matthew. Matthew. If Matthew's your community group, just come to Matthew and say, Matthew, you know what? The, that guy that spits too much, like said on Sunday, I, that hit me. Matthew, I don't, I don't know how to sh- really share the gospel. I don't feel comfortable talking to my neighbors. Can you help me? Matthew wants to help you. Tori wants to help you. Nick wants to help you. The the men and women that are in this church, they want to help you, okay? Is everybody hearing it loud and clear? It's no longer on them. It's on you. And God is inviting you, not because it's necessarily easier, not because it's, it's, it's more comfortable, but because it's better. Friends, there is joy in telling people about Jesus, even when it doesn't go well. I promise, I've done it a lot. And, and, and falling on my face and flubbed through my words. It's just simply announcing good news. And, and, and do that with a group of people. Don't try to do it by yourself. Okay? And the last one is prepare to go. Prepare to go. And, and by the way, bring that question. If you're a community group leader, bring that question into your community group. Every week you should be saying, how did it go announcing the gospel this week, guys? And I would, even, I would even say, why don't you all put your hands in with Matthew and say, hey, you know what? Let's all, come on, Matthew, you're with me, bro. <laughs> let's all, let's commit to, to, to announce the gospel and pray that God would use us all at least once a week 
to, co- to, to communicate the gospel. Do you know what would happen in your community group if you just made that simple, simple commitment? Your community group would look radically different and we'd stop worrying about who brought the bad nachos and we'd start talking about things that matter forever. Amen? It would, it would be significant. And I'm not saying Bible studies and, and, and talking about food and sports are, are completely worthless. It's fine. But, but God has more for us, friends. He has more for us. And so be that guy in your, be that gal in your community group that brings it up. Okay? And then lovingly bring the people that are like, ah, it's okay. People are going to get there at different times. The last one is prepare to go. And, and unashamedly today, we want to tell you the well God wants to, who, that God wants to invite every single person here to go long-term to the nations. Every single one of us. You know what the best, my favorite part about the Abraham story was? Is that he was 75. You look at Genesis 12, verse 4. It says, I love this verse. It says, so Abram left and he was 75. It says, he had all the wrong stuff and he's exactly who God wanted to use. Amen? Most of us aren't America's Got Talent quality kind of people. It's okay. Despite what our social media says, we're not them. Right? Little hit on there, sorry. You're like, oh, that was little. That's okay. It's okay. God wants to send people who don't seem like, it's like, well, I'm single and I really want to be married, or I just got married and I just got a new job, or we just bought a house, or I just, just, just. God, God says none of you are stuck. With his word being so clear about the call to go to the nations, I think we need to flip this thing on its head and say, what's your call to stay? Amen? If you're going to stay here in Austin, I'm saying, I, I know that many of you will. That's totally fine. But his ambition needs to be your ambition. Amen? You don't need the vision. Prepare to go. Lean towards going. I, I, you know, Tori's been praying and the leadership of your church has been praying for years now that, that God would raise up a hundred of you to go. You know how that's going to an- be answered? By you going, could we talk about that? Now, here's the great news. None of you is getting on a plane next month, okay? So if you guys decided, yep, I think, I think the Lord's speaking to us this morning, you're not going anywhere for at least a year because your church is wise enough to know we're going to speak into, can I see your left hand? Okay, good, married. And um, <laughs> just, you know, and, and we, need to, we need to find out what's going on in your marriage, your personal lives, in your neighborhood, your character, and, 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 and how you deal with conflict and communication. And we're going to walk with you to prepare you well. We're not just going to put you on a plane. And, and so there's a process, amen? Just because you raise your hand or put your hand on a card today doesn't mean you're moving to India and, and eating tiki masala the rest of your life. By the way, they don't even eat that there, okay? And so, so just... just Just say yes to the process. Say yes to the process and enjoy more of who God has. No matter what happens in the process, whether you go or not, you're going to get more of God's heart, which means you're going to get more of his joy. Amen? Let that be the motivator for you. Okay, let's pray. God, I thank you that um, your word's so clear. 
And I thank you that we don't need uh, a dream or vision, not because you don't do those things. I do believe that you do those things. You're God. You can do whatever you want. And yet, it's not required for us to step into your work. And, and, and you don't call us into your work because you need us. That's what the amazing thing is. You don't need us to complete your ambition. But you invite us for our joy to be a part of what you're doing around the world. And so today, God, would you give us courage to say yes to you? I don't know what it looks like for these folks. But I do know that you want your ambition to consume their lives. So please come, help us to do it together. Help us to confess our fears and concerns and lies together. That's how you designed us, to do it together. We love you, God. Thanks that you let us be a part of what you're doing. Thanks that we get to be a part of your ambition. We're so thankful. And all the church agreed and said, amen, amen. about being able to gather together is to remember uh, the Lord in communion together.